Hey, deserving listeners, it's just me today. I have a prediction that I'm going to get angry today in this episode. I've already skimmed this email from a patron listener, and I, I predict, I just, I feel uh, rage building inside me, <laughs> and uh, I'll see if I can control it. Um, this is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I am a therapist and a professor. My anger is not directed at the patron, it's directed at the patron's therapist, but let's let's just read this email. Hi, Kirk. I just wanted to comment on your episode about domestic violence. I am writing today because this episode hit close to home, especially when you talked about therapists who don't understand domestic violence. I feel like my therapist doesn't understand domestic violence, so I decided to to end my therapy with him. I terminated therapy with him. I feel like my therapist was putting too much pressure on me to leave my relationship. Having anxiety issues, this made it even harder for me to open up to this topic with my therapist, as I could see my therapist being frustrated with me for not leaving. I could easily see he didn't get it, and I felt so alone in this. He would tell me things like, just get your things and leave. And I would say that it wasn't that easy. And then he would say it was really as simple as just leaving. It all made me feel as though I'm not good enough to get myself out of my own problems. I was feeling his frustration and getting even more hard on myself with each appointment with him. He would tell me that I had to take action, that he didn't know what else he could do to help me. Now, being out of therapy, I don't see myself going back to any therapist until I leave this relationship as I feel like all I'll get from this, uh, from this is another therapist pressuring me to just leave. I feel embarrassed to talk about it, and I feel like I'd be a burden to another person, another therapist. I feel so much anger now when I hear about domestic violence, not only because it's hard to deal with in the first place, but because I feel so helpless. What are we supposed to do when even therapists don't know how or don't want to help people with the, who are suffering from domestic violence. I know therapists aren't superhumans, but I feel like they should know more about this topic. The last thing we need to hear from one person we think can help us is to just leave. All right, end of email. Okay, so rage beginning. Let's review. You are being abused by your spouse, you have low self-esteem, you feel isolated, you suffer from anxiety, you're angry about being mistreated, so you sought therapy to help you, your therapist became frustrated and told you to just leave, you found it difficult to just leave, your therapist pressured you to leave and wasn't very helpful, so you terminated your therapy and now you don't want to find another therapist because you believe that another therapist will just be just as unhelpful. This is a tragedy. Uh, I hate to admit this, but it's somewhat typical of my profession. I don't know how typical, but I, when, when I read this email, I rolled my eyes in a, a familiar fashion because I've, been, I've seen other clinicians act this way before. It drives me nuts. Just leave. If it was that easy, you wouldn't need any help. 
we wouldn't have a domestic violence. We wouldn't know. We wouldn't even have a term for domestic violence or, or intimate partner violence or any of these things. If, if people, if, if just leaving was that easy, uh, it's like, just leave, just leave. My God, it is in, you know, I'm guessing most of you, if you're listening to this podcast, you've already made a smart choice. So you must be smart people. <laughs> but if, if you don't know, it's incredibly difficult to leave uh, a, a relationship that is abusive. The abusive spouse could escalate and kill you. That's a very real possibility. And the abusive spouse may have committed other acts that pre- set a precedent, precedent that they might actually do something like that. Or they might have threatened that. Or at the very least, as a domestic violence survivor, you will think, you know, he could kill me. I mean, I've seen that look in his eyes. The abusive spouse could kill themselves. And although that for some people outside of intimate partner violence relationships might say like, well, good, good riddance. He should kill himself. No one wants another person to die. And so, or at least good people don't want another person to die. And so even though this person is abusing you, you don't want them to kill themselves and because that would be traumatic. The abusive person could kill your children or your pets. And this happens. You hear about these cases in the news. Dad goes on, you know, killing spree of his own family and then shoots himself. These things happen. I had a colleague who had that happen. The dad killed his family and then killed himself and then burned his house down. And so, you know, these, these things happen. The uh, abusive spouse upon just leaving could accuse you of being the perpetrator. That certainly happened before. They could ruin you financially if you just leave. They could do all sorts of bad, bad things to you if you just leave. Maybe no one will be there for you after you quote unquote just leave and you'll be forced to go back to your abusive spouse. Maybe you don't have any job skills. Maybe you don't know where to go. Maybe you don't have any money. Maybe you have five kids or even one kid and you just, you don't know how you're going to provide for your child. If you quote unquote, just leave, just leave. Really? It can also be terrifying to leave. And often, uh, even though abusive relationships are terrifying, just leaving can be even more terrifying, you know, better the devil, you know, than the devil you don't. And I'm just wondering if this therapist who told you to just leave, I'm just wondering if they've never actually been in an abusive relationship. Because if, as soon as you're in an abusive relationship for, you know, a number of months, you suddenly realize why people don't just leave. And if you've never been in an abusive relationship and or you don't have empathy for people who have survived intimate partner violence, then, then you just have to recognize that you don't know what it's like. And your judgments about yourself in that situation, you just don't know. No one knows what they're going to do until they're in a situation like that. And once you're in an intimate partner violence situation, then you realize not only how crazy making it is and how scary it is, but also how hard it is to leave. Not because you want to stay because you yourself want to stay, but because you're trying to, you're trying, you're people that are in the midst of a, of a terrible abusive relationship. They have to choose between the lesser of several evils. There's no good answer. You know, there's not a sunset they can just ride off into. 
if they choose to leave, there are a lot of bad things that are, that are undoubtedly going to happen. And, and there's a lot of uncertainty. And so they don't know if leaving will be worse for them or not. And, and when you're anxious, you kind of just sort of want to hunker down and say, well, I know I'm not dead now. And so maybe if I just try to con- control this situation, maybe this is what I should do. So it's hard. Plus, when someone is beating you down emotionally and making you feel like you're a piece of shit and that you're stupid and that, and you maybe you've been told that your whole life, it's hard to take any, act, any big action on your own, which a lot of times is what is required of people being abused. They have to strike out completely on their own for the, with a humongous decision involving all sorts of uh, nuances and, and, and little decisions along the way. And they've literally never in their life been given that opportunity. And every time that they've been faced with even small decisions, they've been put down by their parents and their spouse. So don't underestimate the power of suggestion from people around you. If you've been told you're stupid, you're worthless, you're weak, you're whatever, you start to believe it. And just leaving requires a tremendous amount of self-esteem. I've seen people who were raised well, who had strong attachments, who had good self-esteem, who had support networks, who had financial power, and then they get into an abusive relationship and all of that comes crumbling down. And none of that is uh, helpful as they become entrenched in a terrifying abusive relationship. Imagine living with like Marilyn, not Marilyn Manson, (laughs) Charlie Manson or, you know, Freddy Krueger, you know, imagine, or, you know, Darth Vader or something, you know, or Joffrey Baratheon. How about that? If you're a Game of Thrones person, yeah, I mean, look at, look at Joffrey Baratheon and the Stark girl living. It's like, what are you supposed to do? You're trapped. You can't get out. This person has so much power over everything. And to just leave, just leave, really, therapist? Just leave? You got frustrated because she didn't just leave? I often hear this sort of attitude from other therapists, and it drives me bananas. To me, it's like, why are you in the profession if that's how you approach complex problems with people? If a client has PTSD, would you say, just stop thinking about it? If a client was suffering from grief about their child dying, would you just say, just get over it? It's ridiculous. And then people like this patron logically conclude that therapists are just not helpful. And so they're further isolated. It's basically just another form of abuse. God damn it. One of the best things you can do as a therapist is just sit with someone who is ambivalent to just sit with their ambivalence and not freak out. Take a deep breath and just be with them. Be with that ambivalence. They want to leave. They're in an abusive relationship. They, they have a path to leave. They can leave and they're terrified. They don't, they're uncertain. They don't, they feel like they don't know what to do. And they also have an attachment with the abusive spouse. People often are in love deeply with, or at least partially with their abusive spouses. And so it's hard for them 
again, particularly if you've had a lifetime of rejection and mistreatment, the little bit of love and warmth you can garner out of life, you want to hold on to. And for some of these people, this might be the only relationship they've been in that actually has a little bit of warmth and, and love in it. And so now it's clear to me that therapists like this are being induced to participate in a kind of transferential reaction. It's, it's very clear that this, this was when the therapist is getting frustrated and saying, just leave, just leave, that the therapist is clearly in a classic kind of transference inducement. You know, domestic violence survivors, intimate partner violence survivors are often people who have never been given the ability to think for themselves. Their parents just barked at them and never took the time to listen to them and never took the time to allow them to make their own decisions for themselves. And then these people who grew up in environments like this, they grow up and they tend to induce feelings in other people that compel them to bark commands at them. You know, when, when you act quote unquote weak and when you act indecisive and or when you start making decisions that are self-destructive and you, and you make that known to other people, other people tend to bark at you and say, stop it. Don't do that. Just, just, you know, just leave. You just need to, you know, uh, let me tell you what to do. And the other person is induced to feel a lot of urgency. But really what is happening is the, the client is through projective identification, socializing the therapist to abuse them in the way that their parents abused them. Their parents barked commands at them and made them feel small. And the client is trying to work out that internal representation. And so they externalize that to the therapeutic environment by inducing the therapist to act like their parents. This is part of a repetition compulsion, as Freud put it, but it's also part of an effort to heal. The client is unconsciously giving the therapist the opportunity to provide a corrective emotional experience to not bark at them and actually create a, uh, a healing experience. But you're, but as a therapist, you're still going to feel that frustration and you're still going to feel an urge to bark at them. And any therapist who knows what the F they're doing can, will take notice of that countertransference and metabolize it and then provide a corrective experience to that, to that client. Particularly in a classic situation, like you have a client who is in the midst of an abusive relationship and you feel compelled to tell them to leave. This is a, this is a classic countertransferential projective identification inducement. It's, it's not nuanced. It's like talking about depression as if it's some sort of weird, exotic condition. The, every therapist has been with, with a client who is in the midst of an abusive relationship and feels that compulsion to bark commands at them and tell them to just leave. Everyone's been there. And to just fall into that trap. And like I said, I'm not surprised. This, this stuff happens. I, I would say a rough estimate, at least 25% of therapists would do this, maybe more. And I'm just like, why are you in this profession if that's your approach to complex human issues is just to bark commands at people and get frustrated with them? Like, I understand if you don't like helping people or you don't like sitting with ambivalence or you don't like working on countertransference, but get the F out of the profession if you don't like it. You know, therapists out there, you're not their fathers or their teachers or their parents or their friends or their judgmental person. 
You're their therapist. That's a unique relationship. You're there to help. You're not there to judge or get frustrated with them when they don't do what you tell them to do. And so knock it off. Stop narcissistically picking on people who are asking you for help. Your job is to be with them in their ambivalence and to detect and what is really going on and to, and to have a, an hypothesis as to what the real problem is. It's not, it doesn't take a genius therapist to realize that when someone, quote unquote, doesn't just leave, that maybe their self-esteem has been completely obliterated by people in their life. And so your job is to help them with their self-esteem and their self-efficacy and their resilience and what's positive about them. That is your job. And by symptom of that, once they develop that self and they develop that self-worth, they will naturally take action internally and externally to quote unquote, just leave. But until they have that core, that, you know, that core wound healing or that core development, they're not going to be able to leave. So again, that's psychology 101. That's psychotherapy 101. That's hypothesis treatment plan 101. It's easy stuff. And so to just bark a command at this patron who is, who is in the midst of an abusive relationship is, is just furthering that, that, uh, that internal representation for that client that they're worthless to just tell this client, you know, just leave. And I can't believe you're just leaving to give them the impression that you're judging them for not leaving is just bolstering the idea that they're stupid they're worthless. They don't know anything. They're, they're incapable. They're weak. It's all their fault. It totally implies it's their fault. And it's not their fault. To be in an abusive relationship is 100% not their fault. It's the fault of the abusive person. And when you're being... It's, it's like saying to a rape victim that it's their fault. Or... Uh, one time I was in my car parked at a, in a, you know, parking lot and this, this guy hit me with his car. And then, uh, I said, okay, well, obviously you owe me money for damaging my car. And he said, yeah. And then I contacted him a month later, a couple weeks later or something. And he said, it wasn't his fault. It was my fault for parking funny. I was stopped parked in parked it totally within the lines. And he said it was my fault. How in the world could it be my fault? So you all see the logic in that. The same is true with someone who's in the midst of a domestic violence or intimate partner violence relationship to blame them or to say, just leave. Now I know the therapist, if you asked him, he wouldn't say, yeah, I believe that my client is to blame, but you're clearly giving the message that the client is to blame. Now, having said all this, I've learned from experience to give therapists the benefit of the doubt. And if the therapist were here to defend himself, maybe he would convince me that he actually was a great therapist and had a lot of wonderful approaches. So, so who knows? But if, it, if this is an accurate representation of what was happening, this therapist, uh, I don't know what to say. So, patron, I'm here to tell you that I can tell from our communications that you're a wonderful person 
and that you do have strength. To have survived thus far requires tremendous strength. To go to a therapist, I mean, most people don't do that. That's that's incredibly strong of you and assertive of you. And I, uh, I am sure that you're not, quote unquote, just leaving. I'm sure that there are major reasons why you're not just leaving. Not only internal reasons like it's hard for you to make a choice because you've never been given that opportunity, but also that there's probably actual real scary things that might happen if you just leave. Financially, physically, emotionally, you know, all those things. You know, I get that. And I implore you to seek help from another clinician. You probably want to go to a domestic violence specialist clinic. Go to a what they call them specifically are domestic violence or intimate partner violence advocates. These people sometimes are trained as therapists, sometimes not, but they're, they're basically someone they're They're usually the first person you talk to as you're trying to get out of a difficult, out of an abusive relationship. Now these people know better than to tell you to just leave. These people often have been through intimate partner violence themselves. At the very least, they're very, they're highly trained. And they'll, they'll give you resources, but they won't judge you for not taking them, for not doing it right away. And also find a therapist that knows what they're doing. You were probably right to leave this therapist, but that doesn't mean that there aren't other therapists out there that understand. I understand, I hope. I know plenty of other therapists that understand, and you might just have to shop around you know, look, if you look at their website, do they mention domestic violence or intimate partner violence? If, if you talk to them, talk to them on the phone and say, do you know anything about intimate partner violence? Have you ever treated it before? And, you know, some therapists will be like, yeah, I've worked with that before, you know, make him prove it. Tell him, tell him what your, your, your experience was last time. Say, well, my last therapist, you know, told me to just leave and got frustrated with me. Uh, what do you think about that? If the therapist responds with like a kind of milk toast answer, then, you know, I might shop around. But if they provide an answer like the one I'm providing, at least some version of that, like outrage and, um, and you know, proving that they understand that it's very difficult to leave abusive relationships, it's, it's, it's logically difficult and also just emotionally difficult. If they can prove to you that they understand that, then, you know, give them a shot. I, I want you, patron, to have the life you deserve. You're a deserving listener, right? <laughs> you deserve to have the life that you deserve, and you don't deserve to be abused anymore. You deserve a spouse that is nice to you, that is supportive of you, that, you know, works with you, that is mutually nice. You know, you're nice to that person. They're nice to you. You deserve that. Everyone deserves that. Particularly you, because you've been denied it, at least for a time, maybe since the day you were born. I don't know. So you absolutely deserve it. And it's totally possible to get. But it's not as easy as just leaving or telling you to just leave. It is a holistic approach involving your self-esteem, 
your practical support system, your safety, your, um, you know, your development, your sense of self, your self-worth, recovering from traumas. Uh, I haven't even mentioned PTSD. You likely suffer from ongoing PTSD, maybe even dissociation, which isn't going to make it easy. But there are there are uh, treatments for all of these things, and there's a support network for all these things. In the way that this is a textbook example of a client, the reason why that is is because there are so many people like you, unfortunately, but there are so many people like you, and so there are robust systems in place to help people like you. And a lot of trial and error has happened over the last number of decades for us to get to a point now where we have, you know, an okay system to help people out with this if you engage with it. And so I implore you to do that. Now, I'm not going to tell you to just do it because I know how hard it is. It's terrifying. It is terrifying. Everything is terrifying. And, you know, to do it is terrifying. To not do it is terrifying. I totally get that. At the very least, email with me, you know, let me know how you're doing because I'm here to listen. And although I will have hopes for you to take action, I understand how hard it is. And I, you know, it's hard. So let me know how you're doing, patron. All right. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Please take care of yourself. Please, please take care of yourself and take care of other people because we all deserve it.